All right, so we are in two, uh, part two of a sermon series that we are doing on the Holy Spirit. Last week, we started part one talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to get you a little bit caught up in case you're coming in and you weren't here last week. By the way, if you wanted to listen to a sermon anytime on our church website, homesteadcommunitychurch.org, or if you search a podcast in iTunes podcast, you know, iTunes music store, how the kids do it these days, um, you can find Homestead Community Church, and uh, you can listen to any sermons if you wanted to get caught up. But a little quick recap of part one that we talked about last week. We talked about in the Gospel of John, Jesus took a number of different times with his disciples to let them know this message. I'm going away soon. Jesus was telling them, I'm going away soon. They didn't quite get it. but He said, I'm going, but somebody else is coming. The Father is going to send another helper or advocate who's going to be with you and is going to be in you. Jesus was kind of preparing the way for the Holy Spirit to come. And then at the start of the book of Acts... He was instructing disciples after he was crucified and after he rose again, just before he ascended into heaven. He said again, wait for the Holy Spirit. It's actually better for you that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come because this is the presence of God coming to the earth and not only being with us, but being in us. And Jesus talked about you can be baptized, you know, John the baptized, baptized people in water, but the Holy Spirit will baptize you in the Spirit so that you will have power, you will have anointing, you'll have the gifts of the Spirit, and you'll, you'll have the presence of God in you to give you everything you need to live this life that God has called you to live. So this is a big thing. This is why we're talking about this. The Holy Spirit is God's presence on the earth. Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit for all believers If you are a believer in Jesus as your Savior and you're a follower of His, then the Holy Spirit is for you. We want everyone here to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we have the presence of God giving us everything we need to live the life that He has for us to live. Now, I recognize that some people in this church, maybe you're just checking this out, maybe you're a guest today or... You were promised lunch by, lunch by somebody if you came to church. So this right away, you're getting, getting a little freaked out about the Holy Spirit, okay? So I just want to let you know, if you're just here checking out church, we're glad that you were here. But one of the things that it says that the Holy Spirit does is it draws people to Jesus. It draws people to Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit will do a work in all of us to convict us. And so what I'm praying is if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will work on your heart. Because there's nothing I can do that's going to, you know, convince you. I can't tell you the magic words. But what we believe is that the Holy Spirit is moving and convicting people. So maybe you experienced this, and we talked about this last week, where all of a sudden you just, you know, you had never thought about church or religion or God or Jesus or anything like that. But then all of a sudden, one day, it just became real. Like, oh, I need a Savior. Wow, my life is falling apart. I need help. I need the Lord. I need Jesus in my life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He opens our eyes, he softens our heart, he prepares us, he draws us, convicts us so that we could give our lives to Jesus. So that's my prayer for you today. If you're just checking this out, I just want you to know you're welcome here, we're glad you're here, you belong as a part of this family, but that's my prayer for you, that you would give your life to Jesus Christ. That's our prayer for everybody. So in Acts 2, we read this last week, Acts chapter 2, this is when the Holy Spirit came during Pentecost, 
And it was the disciples after Jesus had ascended to heaven. The disciples were meeting in the upper room and they were praying. And then a mighty wind started shaking the whole building they were in. And then there was tongues of fire and there was a sound of a mighty wind. And the Holy Spirit came and baptized all the people who were there, all the disciples and the followers of Jesus. They began speaking in tongues to the point where other people who were there for the Feast of Pentecost could hear their own language being spoken by those disciples. It was a really great moment, and that's what we talked about last week. That's kind of where we left it off last week. But really, just to get you caught up, it's the Holy Spirit is God. It's his presence in us, and it's for all believers, and it's everything we need to live the life that God has for us. So I wanted to, I was studying this week, and I wanted to highlight one thing that I thought was interesting. Hopefully, you'll find it interesting as well, but typically, if you don't find it interesting, you have a pretty convincing way of letting me know that you're not finding this interesting, right? You just kind of sit there and stare, so I'll, I'll judge as, as how interesting this is. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Now, we think that was where the word Pentecost started, but what it says in Acts chapter 2 was all of the Jews from around the surrounding nations were in Jerusalem because it was the Feast of Pentecost or the Festival of Pentecost. Pentecost was one of a few different festivals or feasts that they had in the Old Testament that they continued to remember once a year. So in the Old Testament, there was a couple I wanted to highlight. There's Passover and there's Pentecost. And we do it pretty interesting so far, right? Yeah, I can see it on your faces. Um, Passover, if you know the Old Testament at all, was when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and God was pouring out all the plagues, all the, you know, the locusts and the gnats and the water turning to blood and the boils and all these things to convince the Egyptians to let God's people go, to convince Pharaoh to let God's people go. Well, the final one was that the angel of death was going to come and wipe out a number of Egyptians. And what God told the people of Israel was, what you need to do is sacrifice a lamb, take some of the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost so that way, on the night when the angel of death comes through, your house will be spared. So everyone who had a, the blood of the lamb on their doorpost was spared, and nobody was harmed. So from that day, every year they would celebrate Passover, that time when the blood that we put on the doorpost, the blood of the lamb, saved us from death and ultimately delivered us into freedom. So that was Passover, obviously foreshadowing the work that Jesus Christ would do as the, as the Lamb of God, shedding his blood for us. Well, 50 days later was when God showed up again in the desert and gave them the law. He showed up on Mount Sinai and gave them the Ten Commandments, appeared to Moses. And so that was when God, who had delivered them out of slavery, said to them, here's how now you're going to live as free people. This is where God showed up. His presence was there and said, this is how you're going to live now as free people. So that's when they started celebrating Pentecost. The word Pentecost actually is literally just means 50 days, the 50th day. So 50 days after the Passover comes Pentecost. So kind of interesting. But when you get to the New Testament, when Jesus died, when he was crucified, when was he crucified? During Passover. That's when all the Jews were there because it was during Passover that Jesus, the Lamb of God, shed his blood for us. Obviously not a coincidence, right? Well, then 50 days later when they're celebrating Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit comes, the presence of God comes to show them everything they need to live, to give them everything they would need to live the life that God has for them. I thought that was quite interesting. 50 days later during Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came. 
So we don't get the word Pentecost from the Holy Spirit, but we recognize that was a moment when the presence of God came. So the word Pentecost or Pentecostal, you might think, man, that's the crazy churches. I never want to go to a Pentecostal church. I got bad news for you if you feel that way because you are in a Pentecostal church right now. We are a part of a denomination that is the Assemblies of God. We are a Pentecostal denomination. And what that means is, and hopefully you've experienced this, we're not super weird and crazy, but what it means is we recognize God sent his Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. We recognize that the Holy Spirit is active and living in us, and that's why we are Pentecostal. That is what this series is all about. So today, in part two, I want to talk about how this happens. How does the Holy Spirit guide us and work in us, and what does, he, what does it feel like? What does he do? Like, what, what should I expect? Um, how does the Holy Spirit empower us or give us power? What happens? So I want to talk about two things today, and we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. There's fruit and there's gifts, okay? Fruit and gifts. And some of you are thinking, when I think of teaching on the Holy Spirit, you should call it fruit and nuts because that's all I hear people do. But fruit and gifts. So we're going to talk about fruit for a little bit. Fruit is... The part of our life that is like everyday life where we begin to see evidence of God's presence in us, okay? Where we begin to see, wow, I'm, cha- I'm different. I- I'm becoming more like Christ. You'll hear me pray that often, that I want the character of Christ to be more alive in me and in you. We want to be more like Jesus. What I'm saying is we want our lives to have the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in us. Just like fruit is the evidence on a tree that there is life there, we want the fruit of a life that is living and guided by the Holy Spirit. This is everyday life. When we follow Jesus, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, our lives should start to bear fruit that resembles Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit. And so there, they, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, if you actually, there was some black hardcover Bibles, if you wanted to turn there, that'd be great. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 I love it when we can actually get our hands on a Bible and start flipping through the pages so we actually know where these are. And if you are looking in one of the black hardcover ones in your pews, to make it a little easier for you, it's on page 946. But here's what I would love to have us, is to be able to have a Bible and kind of know where things are. One of the things we do on Thursday nights with the elementary kids is we have Bibles that we hand out every night. And this past, um, and they just use them for that night. And this past Thursday night, we were talking about the armor of God. So I said, we're going to turn in Galatians. I think it was Galatians. It might have been, you know, I should have remembered that. It was only three days ago. Um, But I just said, we're going to turn there. And with those kids, you know, with their attention span, and some of these kids haven't had Bibles, you know, it takes like 10 minutes to find all these kids. But I'm like, no, we're going to take the time because I want the kids in our church to know where the books of the Bible are. And so some of the older kids, they find it first, and they're like, you know, I win, yay. And then I'm like, well, help the other kids, and so I want us to do the same thing. I would love it if we were able to get to the Word of God and know where everything is. So this is Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start reading at verse 16. And I'm going to read verse 16 through 25. They will be up on the screen if you, uh, if you want to follow along there. So this is, sorry, I keep prefacing it, and I never quite get to it. This is Paul talking to a group of Christians, and he is talking about life in the Spirit versus life in the flesh. And so what the Bible talks about is there's kind of two contrasting themes, life in the Spirit, the new life that Jesus has for us, or life in the flesh. And flesh always 
kind of signifies the old sinful life, the old sinful habits that we had. And so we're going to see that in Galatians 5, verse 16. Oh, and one other. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to read it right here. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he's, again, talking about that spirit versus flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you, not, you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so what he's saying there is if you're led by the presence of God, it's not about following all the Old Testament rules because now we have the Holy Spirit in us. And doesn't that describe us all the time? Is our spirit, the things we want to do, the life we want to live versus the flesh, they're always at conflict with each other. It's, am I going to live by the spirit or am I going to be controlled and live by the flesh? So in verse 19, it continues on. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, so he was talking about the flesh, now he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, or another word for patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit." So Paul is talking about this very thing. There's flesh versus spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you want to live by the Spirit. You'll begin to see the evidence of that more and more. And he lists what some of those are. You'll begin to see the fruit of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit like that in our lives is what we want to see. But it's not something we can try to do, right? It's not something like, oh, come on, patience. You know, it's not something like that. What it is, is evidence of what's going on on the inside. So your life is going to bear some kind of fruit, regardless of how you're living. If you're living for the flesh or if you're living for the Spirit, your life is going to have some kind of fruit. But what we want to see is the fruit of the Spirit become more alive in us. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to see that happen more and more over time. It's the life that the Spirit gives us. Jesus was teaching this to his disciples in the Gospel of Luke. He was saying, a a bad tree can't bear good fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. Your life is going to show the evidence of whether you're not you're living for the Holy Spirit or living for the flesh. So I ask you today, what's the fruit of your life? What's the fruit of your life? This is why I want us to be open to the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us so that we can begin to see those fruit of the Spirit love and joy and peace. Don't we want that more in our lives and in our families? This is why this is a very practical thing, why we want to be open to the Holy Spirit, because this is the work that he does. Everyday life, we see the fruit that he has for us. So what's the fruit of your life? Learn to live and be guided by him, and you'll begin to see the fruit of the Spirit more and more in your life. So again, if you're seeing a lack of patience, if you're saying, I wish I had more patience, it's not just about, oh, come on, patience, come on, you could do it. You know, it's live by the Spirit. And then after a while, you're going to say, whoa, look at that, fruit. <laughs> you know, what's, 
I have, and you know what? It's probably more than you noticing it. It's going to be those around you who are going to say, what's different about you? There's something different about you. You used to not be patient, but now you, I've, I see more kindness and joy. I see more life in you. What's different? This is the everyday work that the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us. So at the end of all these, I mean, it doesn't have to be at the end of a service, but the end of all of these services, we're just going to have an opportunity for you to open up your heart to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me up. I want you to baptize me, and I want to see the fruit of the Spirit more alive in my life. Amen? Amen. Thank you. All right, so we talked about fruits. Now we're talking about gifts. There are gifts, gifts, not gifts like the things you text to your friends, your kids do, how they communicate these days. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. He gives to each of us. Now, these are not so much like everyday things, like love and joy and peace. These are more supernatural things that we begin to see the power of God moving through us. Okay, this is powerful things that the Lord does, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he gives to each of us. And so if you have your Bible still open, you just got to flip back a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, right before Galatians is 2 Corinthians, and then 1 Corinthians is right before that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 4. Again, this is Paul talking to a different group of believers, but he's talking about spiritual gifts. It says this in chapter 12, verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We're going to stop there just for a second. So it's the same Spirit that gives gifts to different people at different times, but they are all by God and for God's glory. They are all for the work of the Holy Spirit like we talked about last week that's just going to point people to Jesus. This is what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for. And God gives these, these gifts or abilities to different people at different times for his work and they are for the common good. Now when we think of the word gift, I think of, sometimes we think abilities, right? Well, that person's very gifted. That person has the gift of leadership or whatever it is. Very gifted in that area. Abilities or talented. In the church world, we talk about spiritual gifts, and it's way too often communicated like we've earned this special power, right? And if you've been around church, maybe you've been around some people who are like, well, I have the gift of wisdom. I have the spiritual gift of wisdom. And sometimes it comes across by like they're saying, God has ordained it in my life that I am never wrong, right? You know, sometimes it's the spirit, it's the gift of criticism, more like that. Like, you know, pastor, we have to do things differently, and this is from the Lord because I have the gift of wisdom, which means I'm always right, and the Lord has told me that. No, it is not anything we have earned. It is something that the Holy Spirit moves through us. The word gift is actually from a Greek word, and you've heard this word before, but the word that we read in Corinthians that's translated to Greek or from Greek to English, the Greek word is charisma, okay? That word charisma, we've heard that word before, but we don't often think of it in terms of gifts. But really, the word charisma is directly translated, meaning two different things. It's grace, gift. It's a gift of grace. That's what the word charisma means. It's a grace gift. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it, but it's something that's given to us by God. That's a grace gift. Now, we think charismatic or charisma, we think differently, 
we think of a person with kind of strange appeal, right? That person's got charisma, right? And nobody really knows what that means. I remember, no joke, as a kid when I was in high school, maybe just about to graduate high school, I had a group of friends, and there was a group of friends at church, and the girls in this group, they would, they would talk about charisma a lot, right? And they would find a boy that they liked, and they'd be saying, that, look at that boy, he's great, I like him, they all like him, and I'd be like, what's so great about that guy? And they're like, he's got charisma. He's just got charisma. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. What is that? What do you mean by that? You're just making that up. Oh, you wouldn't get it, you know, he, but he's got charisma. He's got charisma. So I grew up thinking the word charisma meant this. It's the trait that boys have that cause girls to like them, right? And I didn't know anything about it because apparently I had none of it, according to those girls that I was around. Or maybe in a church service, you might think of like emotion, like that church is charismatic, which means the music is loud and upbeat and everyone's singing and shouting and dancing and waving banners in the air. That's charismatic. Well, those are all misunderstandings of the word. Charisma is a grace gift, a grace gift. I read a definition this week of charismatic that I really liked, and it's this. Charisma is the enablement of the Holy Spirit to exercise a gift in the life of any believer. The enablement of the Holy Spirit to exercise a gift in the life of any believer. So there are times when the Holy Spirit will exercise a gift through the life of you or I, when you have the Holy Spirit. And it's for the benefit and the edification of others. And often it's a supernatural thing. So to correct a couple misunderstandings, a spiritual gift is not something that's yours. You didn't earn it. You don't have any gifts. The Holy Spirit has them and will give them to you, will flow through you, and it also is to edify and build others up. This is the whole point of spiritual gifts. And so I'm giving that all as a preface for what we're about to read next, because in the following verses, in verse 8, these spiritual gifts are listed. And so we read it in verse 8. It says this. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He, the Holy Spirit, determines. Okay, so I wanted to take the time we have left and just kind of go through those gifts that Paul talks about, that we see in scriptures, that the Holy Spirit wants to move in us. Because I don't want this to just be something that we know and say, hey, we learned something interesting at church today. I want us to be a group of people, a church of people that have surrendered their life to Jesus, salvation through him, and are filled with the Holy Spirit so that now we can use those to edify one another, to use those to build up people in our community, to draw people to Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So the first one is a word of knowledge, and I think we have them on the screen. If we can put these up as I talk about them, is there one that says word of knowledge? Boom. There it is. To know something specific you couldn't have known otherwise. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. We could dive in deeper on these. But this is essentially this. You are praying for somebody or maybe you're talking to someone and you'll feel, you'll sense a prompting or you'll sense something that you're like, I'm praying for them and God's revealing to me this person is struggling because their kid is, a, is an alcoholic and she's really struggling with this. And you would have no reason to know that, but there's times where the Holy Spirit will kind of reveal that to you. 
And you can go to that person and say, hey, I was praying for you, and I think God told me to tell you this, that your son is struggling with alcoholism and that he sees him and that he has a big plan for his life, and, he, and I'm praying for you. In that moment, if you're the mom of that son and somebody comes to you and says, that, and you're like, how would you know that? Of course your eyes are going to be open to the things of God. Of course you're going to be receptive to what God wants to say. This is a word of knowledge. And uh, there's been times where people have come to me and said, hey, I was praying for you, and God said this, and he wants me to tell you this. Those are very powerful times, and I encourage you. Maybe there's going to be times, even this week when you're praying, that God might speak to you and say, I want you to talk to this person about this. Second one is a word of wisdom which is similar but a little bit different. A word of wisdom is coming right up on the screen. Divine answers to a problem. Okay, and this is very practical things. This could be something you're facing in your home or in your family. I have been there. My wife and I have been there with things that we're going through with our kids, and we think, I have no idea what to do. I have no idea what to do. It could be something in a marriage, in a family. It could be something at work business-related, where you face a problem and you're thinking, I got nothing. I don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit can give you specific wisdom in that moment. We believe that we look to God and His Holy Spirit to guide us and, and to say, Holy Spirit, I need your help here. I need wisdom to know what to do. There's been times where we have been at a dead end facing a problem, and there's been times where we felt the Holy Spirit talk to one of us, Christy or I, and just something would, we, it's almost like something pops into our mind, like, oh, I never thought of that before, and it's a solution to the problem that we had. Man, wouldn't that be great to have, you know, to go around saying, God, I want your wisdom. You are the author of wisdom. I want your spirit in me helping me to understand a solution to this problem I'm facing. The next one, it'll be up on the screen, discerning of the spirits. The ability to know if something is of God or if there's the presence of a demonic spirit. And I'll explain this one just with, you know, there's been times in my life, and I'm... This is not, by no means do I want this to be. And let me tell you how I moved in this gift. You know, I'm just giving you examples of what, how this has happened in my life just to kind of help explain it. So there were times where I, there's been times where I've been talking to people and someone was talking about somebody else or someone was saying something and in my spirit, I'll sense, that's not right. That's not of God. He is talking like he is speaking on God's behalf. But in my spirit, I know that's not right. That's not of God. And so there's been times where I've had to go, you know, confront people or correct people or just say, hey, don't listen to that person because he was talking like he was talking from God. I don't believe that was the case. That's the discerning of spirits, the ability to know if something is of God or sometimes it's to, to sense the presence of a demonic spirit. I've never experienced that. But there are other people who, who we know we're friends with and they're praying and they're like, we need to pray for that person. They've got a demonic spirit in them. We need to cast that out. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, but I, you know, I, I didn't sense it, but they had that gift of the Spirit in that moment. The next one is prophecy. And you would kind of understand this, the word prophecy, a message of encouragement from God delivered from one person to another. This could be a time where you are speaking or you are talking to someone and you just simply say, I feel like God is telling me to tell you this. This is where you're going. I, there's been times where um, Christy or I have been talking to young students in our church and we just really feel like God's saying, you know, raise them up, speak life to them, prophesy over them. And we say, you're kind of headed down this road. God's got big things for you. You need to get up, head on this path. God wants to call out abilities and talents and has big plans for you. Those are messages of prophecy, building people up, helping them move forward, a message of encouragement that God is speaking from one person to another. 
Next one is this, a gift of tongues. A gift of tongues, and that is speaking a message from God in a language unknown to the speaker. So we heard about that last week. We read about that last week in Acts chapter 2. The disciples, baptized in the Holy Spirit, began speaking in other tongues, which were interpreted by all the surrounding people from all the surrounding nations as their language. Sometimes God is going to use you to speak a message in either a heavenly language or in another language that people will recognize as a language that they know from the earth. So, um, and then there's the interpretation of tongues, giving the interpretation of a message in tongues. That kind of, they kind of go together. Now, a couple of things in this, because the speaking in tongue things gets a little weird for some of you, and some of you are like, I don't want to ever hear someone speak in tongues. I'm not referring to like a personal prayer language that I believe the Holy Spirit gives uh, to all of us. We're going to talk about that next Sunday. So we want to hear all about speaking in tongues. We're talking about that next Sunday. So come on back, bring some friends. It'll be great. I promise. But another thing of this with speaking in tongues in a gathering like this, it can be misused. I've been in church services. I used to be the worship leader so at a church, and so there would be times where I've got like the in-ear monitors in. I can't hear anything, and someone starts speaking in tongues from the balcony, and I'm supposed to stop, and people are looking at me like, there's someone speaking in tongues, and all the guests there are like, what in the world is going on? I never want to come to church again. And, you know, there's times in an environment like this where it just can get misunderstood. And so just so you know how we want to operate here at this church, if you are ever in a service in a, in a time of worship and you feel like God is saying something to you that you want to share with the congregation, by all means, we want you to do that. But in order to kind of have order and so that we can all hear it, come talk to one of us or one of the staff members and say, hey, I think God is wanting me to share this. And then we're going to encourage you in that. And there might even be times where we're like, I'm not sure if that's right, you know, if that's right. But we want it to be used. We want there to be the times where the Holy Spirit is moving, right? We want those to be the times where God is speaking. The main point is this. There's times when the Holy Spirit is supernaturally going to give a message through someone to someone else. And you know, if it's someone giving a message in tongues and it's interpreted in a church service like, let's say it, the Lord... We need more hymns and less drums. And you, you know, that's not of God. You know, that's, you know, that's somebody trying to control the church. But if you hear a message and you sense that God is speaking through someone, you know in your heart when your creator is speaking, you know. You know you are humbled and you are reverent because you know that this is God talking in that moment. What a powerful moment that is. And what if God were to, to use you to speak a message to someone? prophecy or in another language or interpreting something or a message of wisdom, and that person turns their life around and gives their heart to Jesus, there is no greater feeling in the world than recognizing that God used you in a powerful way to impact the eternity of somebody else. There's no better feeling in the world than to know that God is using you supernaturally to build people up and to point people to Jesus. So I'm praying for all of us, these gifts, there's still a few more, we're not done yet, but I'm praying that all of these would be moving in our church. I'm asking all of us just to be open to the Holy Spirit, just to be open to the Holy Spirit. If you have a roadblock up and you're like, I... I'm okay with gifts one, three, and nine, but none of the other ones. You know, we want, I don't think the Holy Spirit's going to move in a heart that's guarded or cynical or skeptical. It is when we are surrendered to God and open to God that he's going to fill us up and we're going to see not only the fruit come alive in us, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit starting to move in us. So where did we leave off? Faith. Faith is the next one. Faith. A supernatural confidence in God 
for a specific situation. That's faith, a supernatural confidence in God for a specific situation. Another story of when I experienced this, um, we, uh, the last church, or probably like 15 years ago now, or 13 years ago, I was on staff at a church. We were facing a situation as a church that was a mess, financially situation. It was just a mess to the point where we, a lot of people were like, this church is not going to survive. You can't survive through this financial mess that we are in right now. So I remember being in a room, the pastor's house, and there was one other person there, kind of, we were kind of the lead, the, the lead team at the church at the time. And we were talking about, like, what are we going to do? This moment where we were praying, Holy Spirit, we need wisdom and guidance. We don't know what we're going to do. And I felt the Holy Spirit give me a gift of faith in that moment. Now, this, again, this is not me. I didn't do anything to earn this. But I just said in that moment, I said, I feel like God is saying this. This is not going to be the end. This is just the beginning. The best days of this church are still yet to come because God, this is nothing for God to handle. And in that moment, I just felt like God was speaking to me. It was kind of one of those things like, oh, man, yes, I'll, I'll respond to that, Lord. And it was years later that the pastor came to me and said, you know, I never forgot that moment where you kind of spoke faith into that situation. And I was like, well, it's not me. But we just recognize it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give you faith, supernatural faith in a situation that seems dire, it seems lost, like you're not going to get through this. And all of a sudden, you'll sense the Holy Spirit in you building up your faith, having confidence not in any ability of your own, but confidence in God that this is nothing for God to handle. He can handle this and much more. That is faith. Healing, healing, healing. See what I did there? It was like power of the Holy Spirit. I zapped it onto the screen. Supernatural endowments of divine health. We know what healing is. Does it still happen today? A lot of this is, this gets dicey, and this would be a question I have for God when I get to heaven is, how did that work when we would pray for people and some would get healed and we'd pray for people and some would not get healed? How did that work? I recognize God is good. His character, despite any times we prayed for people and they seemingly haven't been healed. But there are times when God moves and people are healed and the sick are made well. There was a time, uh, my first pastoral care call. So I was like a year out of Bible college working at another church. And the pastor called me and said, hey, we have a hospital visit for you. And I'm like, yes, you know, eager Bible college graduate. Put me in, coach. I can do it. What's the situation um, and they said, well, we have a guy in our church who has to have surgery tomorrow. And sorry if this, you know, the, there's words in this next part that are earmuff words that you don't like to be sp spoken. But um, this guy found a lump on a testicle and is having one removed tomorrow because they fear it's cancerous. So you need to go pray for him. I'm like, come on. Like, my, sure, no wonder you gave this one to the rookie, the first one out of the gate. I'm like, well, how am I going to even pray for that? Like, what do I say? But fortunately, I went to the hospital. This guy was a friend of mine. He had a good sense of humor about it. We laughed about it. I just, and I said, I'm going to pray for you before I go. And I just prayed. And I said, God, just be with him tomorrow in surgery. We're asking your hand of protection, and I'm praying that you would heal him. And we prayed, and wasn't, I didn't sense anything magical. Well, the next day, I get a call from this guy. He says, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. I went in, and they did another check, and they're... The lump was gone, and then they did more tests, and they're like, why are you here? You do not need surgery. He's like, God healed me. God, you know, healed my testicle. And I'm like, great. And so, but it wasn't a situation where I'm like, I'm going to go start a healing ministry or anything like that. Like, this wasn't the power that I had, but God, in that moment, healed him. There have been times when we are 
praying for people, and we see that God has healed them. There are people sitting in the room here that there was a situation where, God, where the doctor said, this is not good, and we prayed, and then later they checked and said, this is all better. We don't understand it. There are people in the room who have had that experience. God can heal. I want to encourage you, and you might be here today, you've been praying for someone physically sick, or that's you. I just want to encourage you. I don't know how it all works, and clearly I am not God. But one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is he moves in healing. This is something that we know is alive and well today. So I want to encourage your faith to keep praying, keep seeking the Holy Spirit. There might be a time where God speaks to you to say, go pray for that person because I'm going to heal that person. Right? That's when we get to say, Lord, I want to be used by you no matter what. I found a lot of people are weird about healing. They don't like talking about healing until they get sick. And then they're all open. Please pray. Please pray. I'm looking for a miracle. Which leads us to the next one. Miracles. Miracles, divine intervention that alters circumstances. So a miracle, something that happened that there's no explanation for. Divine intervention. So I want to ask this. How many of you in the room would say that you have experienced something miraculous in your life? Put up your hand. Okay, nice and high. Okay, hold your hands up. Okay, now we can look around a bit. There's lots of hands. There's tons of hands up there. We've experienced something miraculous. I have experienced that in my life. Right after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of my favorite stories, Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches and people get saved. The very next chapter, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking into the temple to worship God, and there is a man who is begging at the temple gate. He's, been, he's crippled. He's been lame since birth. And all he can do, he has, he has friends that leave him there at the beginning of the day, and he begs for money, and at the end of the day, they come pick him up. So Peter and John are walking by this guy, and this guy's wanting money. That's what he's doing. Peter and John say, we don't have any money, but now get the, get the Holy Spirit that has filled them and is moving in them in that moment. And Peter and John say, we don't have any money, but what we have to, for you is in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And this, they grab him by the hand, and this guy gets up and for the first time in his life begins to walk and now is running and shouting and rejoicing, running into the temple, praising God. And the, all the people who know him as the guy who's been crippled since birth are now praising God because of what God has done. This is miraculous. You can read that in Acts chapter 3. But what happens there is it supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, changing the life of an individual, bringing him to Jesus, and all the onlookers are filled with wonder, and they're praising God. This is what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do. They bring people and point all glory and praise to Jesus Christ. So as we wrap up today, we live in a world where we desperately need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen? Can someone say amen to that? We live in a world that is dark, and we desperately need the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving through God's people. We need these in operation. We are in a day where we need some Pentecostal power, supernatural power to move in situations. We need the Holy Spirit, the powerful presence of God moving in us, moving through us. Supernatural moves of the Holy Spirit to bring healing to somebody, to bring a message of encouragement, to bring wisdom and insight, 
to speak prophetic words over somebody, to speak faith into a situation that seems lost, to see miracles happen. This is what the Holy Spirit is going to do in us and through us. We've got too many problems and people talking about problems in our world today. We need more people who are saying, I have the answer. I have the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving through me, and there's going to be wisdom and insight and knowledge and miracles. Amen? We need this happening in our world. So as we close today, uh, let's do this. Let's just stand together. We're going to wrap up here in, in a minute. I just want to take a moment to pray. So Lord, this week for all of us, I pray that we would walk in the Spirit and there would be times where we sense you speaking to us or you moving in us. And Lord, we will respond. Our commitment to you today is we'll be obedient. If you want us to talk to somebody, to share with somebody, to pray with somebody, if you want us to have a new... Uh, solution to a problem, we'll be obedient and we will follow it through. Lord, we want to be obedient to you when you move in our hearts. And that's our prayer today. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you're doing in this church. I pray that you would bless everyone today. Keep us close to you as we walk and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.